Hello and welcome to Maldorma TV. I'm Tobias Alber and this is episode 18. And I'm Magnus Alber. And this is the fourth part in a series where we have covered our journey to India. And in the first three episodes we talked about when we were in the area around Nanital in the Himalayan mountains where we visited ashrams of Ninkarola Baba, Sombari Baba and Harikam Baba. Yes, and in this episode we're going to talk about our visit to Rishikesh and some surrounding areas and also to Dharamsala, yeah. the home of the Dalai Lama. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the first three parts, uh, you might have noticed that we had quite powerful spiritual experience over there, especially in the Ninkarol Baba Ashram and Harakam Baba Ashram. And... Uh, we felt really strongly connected to spirituality and was in an amazing spiritual mood, so to speak, when we left Nanital. And we're really looking forward to Rishikesh. We would, we're looking forward to see what would happen there. Yeah, and I hadn't read that much about Rishikesh in now how it is in modern times. Yeah. Um, I've heard of Rishikesh from reading the... Um, the autobiography by 3M yeah. where he talks about a Rishikesh and it's uh, really romantically written yeah. so I had quite high expectations when I was going there yeah and it's a spatial center and have been for a long time and we had also received a lot of synchronicities that we should visit the Divine Life Society in Rishikesh so we were quite excited to go to Rishikesh and yeah as I said continue our journey and Hopefully, it will be even better than Nanital, which had been yeah. blown away by the first week in India. Yeah, it had an, been an amazing week, so our yeah. expectations were sky high. So, um, I think when we arrived to Rishikesh, we came to another reality than we had expected. Yeah, it was a place full of tourism. It was full exploited. Uh, it didn't feel spiritual at all. When we yeah. came there, and I was actually quite disappointed the first days that it was nothing like I expected. I I didn't. Yeah, it was only tourism and bunch of stuff that felt shallow and yeah, that they didn't have that genuine feeling to it. Yeah, basically, the the most of the things that you will find in Rishikesh is the yoga retreats and the yoga courses yeah. where you can learn yoga. And f when you think of the word yoga, I mean, in the Western world, you think about the postures that you do. It's yeah. more of a physical uh, exercise yeah. than uh, going deep within. So, uh, But going to India, I thought that yoga was going to be something else. It was going to be yeah. the real yoga, if you will, where you go, the, where the goal is to find the truth yeah. within. Um, but so when I arrived to Rishikesh, I was a bit surprised that all you could find and all you could see there was this, uh, these yoga retreats where they focus only on the, yeah. the physical yoga and a bunch of fake sadhus that are pretty much hidden beggars and junkies that are, look, they dress like sadhus just to get money. And you could, you could really feel that you're, they're trying to rip you off and things like that. So it, I it didn't. I didn't see the the uh, Richard Cash that I was expecting, and it made me really disappointed. It was something else entirely. Yeah, it felt like it was uh, on many levels trying to 
uh, take advantage of all the tourism there yeah. uh, to yeah make sure all the tourists all empty their pockets and they get paid. Yeah. Um, that's, that's in our honest opinion, what it felt like when we came there, the first impression at least. Yeah, th- that was the first impression. And, uh, and I kind of went into a mode where I felt really disappointed. I mean, deeply and didn't know what to do next. And my only hope in this town was the Divine Life Society, basically. Yeah. And I think we had it over there quite soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we visited Gangamira first, so maybe we should cover yeah. that first. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, the Divine Life Society we was still there, of course, fully active. So we, uh, when we drive, arrived to Rishikesh, we drove past the Divine Life Society. Yeah, and you could see the just the huge amount of buildings. How big this ashram actually? Yeah, was. it's huge actually. Yeah. So that that was was interesting to see. Um, but as you said earlier, uh, when I arrived to Rishikesh, uh, I was also really disappointed, and yeah. uh, because we had had such amazing experiences in in Nanital, yeah. uh, we thought that that would continue, and then you come to Rishikesh, it's exploited, it's a lot of tourists over there, um, so I felt exactly the same thing, yeah. and um, yeah, for for me, I I thought, well, okay, what what I'm going to do here for a full week, yeah, uh, or something like that but we i think the first night when we went out we we found this flyer where gangamira who's uh, was the wife of uh, papaji yeah and papaji was a devotee a re- fully realized devotee of ramana maharshi yeah and she was holding satsangs uh so we decided to to go to one her of her satsangs yeah i think this was the second or third day in rishikesh yeah and uh, when we came over there, uh, it was quite a lot of people yeah. uh, sitting around her and she was giving talks. And I just remember that the main focus of her her satsang, of her talk, was to just try to not identify with the mind. Whatever yeah. comes to you, if, the, if it's even emotions, because the thoughts are, yeah. emotions are just products of thoughts yeah. that you, yeah that the body reacts to so just see it as if a thought comes to mind just let it float by yeah. if an emotion comes by just observe it don't act on it don't yeah. act on the thoughts so i thought uh, i really like the satsang with gangamira yeah i liked it too but to be honest i didn't really connect the way i did in anichal even though we were at this beautiful satsang with gangamira and she was talking about Personally, I didn't really connect. I was, I think, I think I still was in this disappointment mode, basically. (laughs) So it was nice, but I was hoping for more. Yeah, and I mean, Gagamira was really good. Uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I think a lot of the things that she brought up was things that Papaji had talked about, that we had read about, and Ramana Maharshi has talked about. So, so for, for for me at least, it was nothing new. Even though it was an amazing experience to be in her presence and yeah. to hear it from from such a person, so yeah. I, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, and I really liked her way of um, describing uh, the thoughts like an ocean. Yeah. Or uh, if you look at the ocean, sometimes it's waves crashing, yeah. and there's a lot of noise. Um, sometimes the the ocean can be still. Yeah, uh, the the thoughts can be a lot less. Uh, but still, you just you just watch it. Yeah. You don't get into the water. You just stand on the shore and watch the the thoughts. Yeah. So I thought that was a, a beautiful beautiful way of explaining it. 
Yeah, and I think also she was very loving person, and she was she laughed a lot and was really easygoing and had this great energy around her. Uh, so she was great, uh, but I couldn't connect personally mm. to my spiritual core. Yeah. I was I I know what happened. I had closed down when I came to Rishikesh. Yeah, <laughs> really a strange experience. Yeah, I. I had experience on something similar. What I where, what I really liked though during the Ganga Mira was to see other people when yeah. they when she talked to them and yeah. tried to and they understood it for the first time. Yeah, and you could see the like the light bulb getting yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> lit yeah. in their heads and it was like a aha moment for them. So yeah. it was cool to see. Yeah, um, but Ganga Mira, I think it was really nice, yeah. um, very nice experience, but. I think bo- both of us were a bit disconnected, so yeah, it could have been better if we were fully there, if you will. Yeah, she was fully there. It was yeah. uh, myself that was the problem at, at the moment, <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, and that's, uh, I don't know, I mean, that leads us into one topic where it's so easy to be there when everything, when you have all these experiences like yeah. we had in Nanital, but then you go to Rishikesh and you expect something and it yeah. doesn't happen and you let it pull you down. So Yeah, and you kind of, because one of the teachings from one of my experiences in the Harikambaba Ashram was that it doesn't really matter where you are, it's everywhere. But I needed the permission slip, the right circumstance to connect to that. Mm. And this was just a few days after that. I think this we left Nanital the day after the Harikambaba Ashram experience that I had. But just a few days after, it seems like I had forgotten completely that teaching. Because once again, I found myself in an environment that I didn't think was the right one. Mm. And I couldn't connect. Um, I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> That happens to all of us, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so easy to, when you're sitting in front of the statue of Maharaji Nimkaroli Baba, yeah. you have such devotion for him. It's so easy. It just comes naturally. Yeah. Then you put, are put in an environment where it's fully exploited by, and tourists is everywhere. And everyone really is trying to, to scam connect. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're going on the street, everyone wants to have money from you. They want to yeah. scam you. So. It's really hard to be in that spiritual, uh, find the spiritual heart in those moments. Yeah, and I was still, you know, hunting this connection, going to Ganga Mira, and then we went to the Divine Life Society, and I thought, well, perhaps it's going to happen over there again. Uh, so I was in this chasing mode, basically. Yeah, um, I think also I, I experienced something similar. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Divine Life Society? Yeah. We went to the Divine Life Society, one of the really big ashrams in Rishikesh. It was founded by Swami Vivekanda, great being, and he passed away. But it, they still have uh, the successor of Swami Sivananda. Yeah. Swami Sivananda. Uh, did I say Vivekanda? I think so. Yeah. 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 That's like a different guy. Yeah, yeah. That's a completely different guy. <laughs> yeah. Swami Sivananda is the correct. Uh, and then he was uh, his successor was uh, Swami Shitananda, I think, yeah. who was also a great being. And now they ha- have their third president. Mm. Uh, that And I had an intuitive feeling that we were supposed to meet the president mm. and that we had to go to 
the Simonanda Ashram, yeah. Divine Life Society. So I had high expectations for that place, that that, that was the place they would do it in Rishikesh. Mm-hmm. So we went there, and it was a beautiful place. And we walked around, but I didn't really connect that much. It felt good, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we arrived there, and I think the first day we just walked around the ashram. We yeah. didn't do, take part in any of the activities. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the, the quotes that you could find around the ashram with, yeah. uh, with quotes from uh, Sivananda. Yeah, there are these signs with quotes of Sivananda that are really beautiful. And the main hall in the ashram is also beautiful where the statue of him is. And yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful ashram. And if you're in Rishikesh, you have to go there. Uh, great energy is there. And, but I didn't have the same strong connection as I had in in Nanital. It wasn't really the same thing. So, but we walked around the area and suddenly I saw an old man walking with his caretaker. Yeah. And I thought, isn't that the precedent? Mm. Because I knew that I had the synchronicities before the trip that we perhaps are going to meet him. And sure enough, it was the president walking, uh, having a walk with his assistant. It's quite an old man. So we, Went up to him and talked to him and took some photographs with him. And he was a really nice man. Asked us where we came from and where we're doing here in India and something. Things like yeah. that. Yeah, you could see that. I mean, he had he had something. His heart was very warm. He was a beautiful person. Yeah. And it was a really, truly an honor and a privilege to meet him. Yeah. So, and I think we were really lucky that he was out walking just on that particular time when we were there so yeah uh, really thankful for that and a really beautiful experience and also what happened during that experience where we met him immediately afterwards it felt like i had this strong feeling that now i don't need to be here anymore uh, this was it this was the reason why i should come here just to meet this man nothing in particular happened i just had a strong feeling that well Nothing more is going to happen here. It's this was it, uh, but something did happen because I didn't notice it in the beginning. But I started to understand that it wasn't our environment that was wrong. It was my uh, state of being. Yeah, my own state of being. How I looked at Rishikesh, and this shifted after Divine Life Society because I didn't have a spiritual experience there. I didn't have the strong connection that I was hoping for. So initially, the Divine Life Society was also a a disappointment to me because I didn't experience the things I I had experienced in Nanital. But I realized that, okay, it's not up to Maharaji or Harikam Baba or someone else any longer. It's about me. I need to go there myself. So it was another step on the journey where I needed to learn how to go into these states of being by myself no matter what and it felt like that was the teaching that we received in Divine Life Society not in words but just in feelings that I started to understand okay this is up to me now <laughs> and yeah. it's not nothing wrong with Rishikesh it's a beautiful place yeah for sure I mean I would love to go there again uh, perhaps with a more and, and I think mine now, if you will. yeah, and all the tourists and all the scammers are part of God and the divine as well. And we needed started, 
we needed to see that in this environment as well that this is also divine yeah i mean i read a quote from a uh, teacher, spiritual teacher called Robert Adams yeah. uh, that we have talked about before, I yeah. think, uh, where he says that he had people come to his satsang and the people visiting Robert said that, yeah, I feel so good when I'm in satsang with you. Uh, I forgot forget about all the world's problems. But then he his reply to what was that everything in life is satsang. Yeah. When you go visit a person, a beggar on the streets, that's yeah. satsang. Yeah. Uh, see life um, fully as the truth in everything yeah. that's just when you're sitting in front of a realized person yeah uh, so i think that rings true in our conversation here now as well about rishikesh yeah. that you'll have to see it in everything yeah even the good and the bad yeah uh, but i i really liked um the sivanand ashram uh when we went to we did some kirtan there as well yeah um, perhaps not the the kirtan that we are familiar with no, no, from no. Krishna Das and so forth, but it was really nice to yeah. do the kirtan. Um, really loving experience, and w- we also went to uh, evening satsang. Yeah, uh, with uh, in the Divine Life Society. Yeah, and there I have to say, not perhaps during the the satsang itself, but during the last moment when they closed down the satsang and all the devotees in the ashram came into uh, the main temple if you will yeah and everyone was paying tribute to sivananda yeah in that moment when everyone was doing that that there i felt a real connection yeah uh and i felt that whatever they are doing at the divine life society is it's true and it's coming from the right energy and it's uh it will lead to the truth. Yeah. I, I, I honestly believe that the Divine Life Society is a beautiful place to yeah. s- to stay. So I would actually love to, at some moment, perhaps in the future, to, to stay at the ashram full yeah. time, to live there. Yeah. So uh, for me, at least, I, I think that was, wasn't really supposed to happen something there uh, at that moment but i felt uh, a little bit of a connection to to divine life society yeah that i should go back there and i felt the same after the meeting with the president uh, as i said i started to understand that okay it's nothing wrong with rich cash or divine life society it's i need to change my perspective on things mm-hmm. so i started to do that and rich cash turned out to be a great experience not as we didn't visit ashrams uh, that much we didn't go to that many places we pretty much hanged out uh, with uh, we were traveling with our friend Nicholas and his girlfriend was already in Rishikesh so we met up with her and we went out for dinner and things like that and it was really nice and gradually I started to reconnect again yeah just by allowing it to happen no matter what circumstance, basically? Yeah, we didn't really... I mean, we had quite... Before, before the journey, we had quite a strict idea of where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do. So yeah. we, we we kind of forgot about it. So like, yeah. Let's just take the day as it approaches. Yeah. And as you said, that's when uh, you started to feel the connection again. Yeah. So it was really about learning how to connect no matter what circumstance. But we did do some more... Uh, journeys. We went to Neil Khan Temple. Uh, we also went to. We to. Uh, we rented some scooters and went to uh, caves that was t- 
just outside of Rishikesh called Vashista yeah. Cave and Arundhati Cave. Yeah, and uh, the reason why we wanted to go there is we had uh, read about these two caves from the Sri M autobiography. Yeah. He used to stay there with his guru or yeah. on two occasions. Yeah. One one time when he went to the Himalayas, Himalayas for the first time. Yeah. Then he stayed in one of the caves with yeah. his guru. Yeah. And I really I don't know why, but I really like the caves. I yeah. I really like sitting in this in the caves and meditating. It yeah. uh, maybe it's um a permission slip. We yeah. talk a lot, a lot about that, but yeah, um, I seems to get a real calm when I sit in these caves. It's quiet. You, it's dark, and you can just focus on going inwards. Yeah, and also I think it was really just to imagine uh, while we were sitting in one of the caves where Sri M and his guru had been. Just to think, a thought came up like, yeah, he's been here. He's been yeah. here with his guru. Yeah, and it's like yeah, now I'm here. It's a uh, Cool connection, just to, yeah, be in to, the same places. Yeah, to yeah. be in the place where you, where you read about all these uh, cool stories. Yeah, but for me, Rishikesh didn't deliver the way Nainital had when it came to the experiences in the ashrams and environments. But as I said, when I realized it was up to me, I started to connect again, and then I had actually three experiences in Rishikesh as well, mm. but just in everyday life none of them happened in an ashram the first one happened was when we were, I was sitting and renting the scooter in the office and suddenly I felt this shift reality shift uh, I can't really explain it but I felt that something happened something shifted so it was a subtle um, spiritual experience that just happened while I was renting scooters on the main street in Rishikesh no ashram, no temples, no holy people around in that sense. So I started to, and I started to realize that, okay, now I'm starting to get it for real, that circumstances doesn't really matter. Uh, it's just permission slips, as we talked about in the previous episode. Uh, and then the second experience was when I was out walking by myself on the Lakshman Yula Bridge. I came into this high state of being that resembled the one that I had in um, Neem Karol Babasham, Kanchidam, where I just went into this really happy state of mind and just walking around on clouds, basically, uh, feeling quite high in a way. And then the last experience was when we were in a restaurant eating a meal in the evening, I think it was perhaps the last day or something like that. We were all four of us. And suddenly I had this experience that everything was an illusion. That I was, I was it felt, my experience felt unreal. That it was just beingness condensed into form, basically. Yeah, it's interesting you bring it up because I had it at the same dinner, the same experience, yeah. actually. It's a... I don't know how to explain it, but you just look around and you look at everything. You just have this really strong intuitive feeling that yeah. like this, everything is this is just it's made up. Yeah. It's not real. It's just an illusion. Yeah. Uh, it's like you're looking at a painting, and the only thing yeah. that's actually real is the self. Uh, yeah. There's all this walking around, all this um, the world basically. It's just yeah. When you have these experiences, I mean, I had the experience on psychedelics prior to this, but this was just sitting there eating dinner and then just see that everything is just 
beingness that takes the form of our experience yeah. but it's it's really an extension of yourself and it's really weird experience it felt like i was in this bubble basically of and it's not it's not that you it feels bad it feels really good that everything is an illusion because sometimes people feel that well is everything a dream they feel depressed but it's not that way you connect to the true nature of things basically the divine nature of things so and so all my experiences in rich cash was in everyday situations yeah same here i think i had a as you explain also just these moments where i walking down by myself down the road and just my heart opened up yeah i just uh started looking at everyone from just uh, feeling love towards everyone yeah. from just from within like uh, allowing it to pour through yeah and i think that's the key word allowing it yeah. because we were allowing it in Nanichal in the right circumstances that but then we closed down when it came to rich cash and saw all the tourists and exploitation and but we we realized basically after a few days that we need to allow it everywhere and when we did that, things started to happen again. And we reconnected quite big time in a way. And I also remember one experience in Rishikesh. We, uh, our friend's girlfriend, Elin, her yoga teacher and the priest held a ritual for us. Uh, a mukti, I don't remember what it was called. Homa mukti, mukti homa. Yeah, th- something yeah. like that. It was a kind of an enlightenment ritual that we had in the evening down by the river Ganga and it was beautiful and yeah. I felt so a huge connection to the river Ganga uh, that river is real is something yeah uh, <laughs> yeah I, I agree 100% yeah uh, from the first time I took a dip in the in the the Ganga River, yeah. I felt something. Maybe it's it's permission slips again. Yeah, you never know. But probably, but uh, I love the permission slip for this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I really like the river, and it, I really beautiful. got a f- beautiful connection, especially during uh, the ceremony with, that we did as well. Yeah, uh, and sitting also when you were watching it by during the night, yeah. just seeing, feeling the the flow of the river just going yeah. past in the in the evening light that uh, yeah. i think that was just beautiful so rishikesh the week in rishikesh became a real beautiful week we didn't really do the kind of hardcore spiritual stuff that we did in nanital but we didn't need to we went we took day by day and because when we're in nanital we planned the entire week we were, we we're going to go there and there and there and there in rishikesh we just took every day as it came and yeah. We went to a kirtan with some Hare Krishna guys. It was beautiful one day. And we went to Gangamira and yeah. Divine Life Site. And some days we were just shopping and hanging out. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think the main lesson is, I mean, f- from the learning experience from from Rishikesh, I mean, it's it's really easy to go and, okay, now I'm spiritual. Yeah. And then you go back to, now I'm not spiritual. Okay, now yeah. I sit and meditate. Now I'm being spiritual. Then you go back to yeah. being non-spiritual. Making the, everything spiritual. Yeah, making every moment in life a spiritual moment. Yeah. Uh, because that's what it is. It's every every moment. Life yeah. is the spirituality. The experience is the spirituality. It's not when you're uh, sitting in the temple and connecting with Nim Karoli Baba. It's everything. Yeah. Everything yeah. you do. And it's the thing that's important is that you allow it and you allow yourself to see it as well. Yeah. I think that's that was the main main lesson from Rishikesh. Yeah, and it felt like Nanitsal was opening up. Yeah. 
having the first experiences uh, and then Richard Cash was you know integrating and understanding that it's everywhere so in a way Richard Cash was big time a big time experience in a whole yeah Um, I think should we leave Richard Cash for now and go uh, the last stop that we had on our journey was to Dharamsala oh one interesting thing that I want to mention that when we lived in Rishikesh we lived ne- neighbor to a temple of uh, Deoria Baba uh, a beautiful temple and then we left for Dharamsala and then we lived ne- ex- neighbor to a Buddhist temple so we were living next to temples and I don't think it was a coincidence no, but it happened spontaneously. We yeah. didn't really like, okay, we want to live next to a temple. We no. just took it and the same thing happened in Dharamsala. It yeah. was a hotel right next to a Buddhist temple, as you mentioned. Yeah. So that was uh, interesting in itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dharamsala, um, the first impression from Dharamsala was uh, it's similar to Rishikesh in one way, except it's more focused on Buddhism, of course. Yeah. Uh, but there's it's quieter lot. in a way and more yeah. calm. Yeah. There's another mentality and to the Tibetan Buddhists than to the Indians. It's it's yeah. not it's not a it's different. It's not better or worse in any way. It's it's different, but it's still a lot of things were the same. Yeah, and uh, just as in Rishikesh, there was a lot of tourists there over there as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, we didn't really have any plans of what we wanted to do. No. Um, we knew about the Dalai Lama um, monastery, of course. Yeah, we went there. Yeah, so we went down there and it's a beautiful place. Yeah, um, really beautiful place. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, mm. And it was also really interesting to see um, a lot of the Tibetan Buddhists were there pra- doing their practice. So yeah. It was interesting to see, to hear them do their prayers and their, their practice. Yeah. And also quite uh, interesting to see that I'll, I, I don't want to say a lot, but some of the uh, the Buddhists uh, yeah. were Westerners. Yeah. Um, so that was also interesting to see that there's yeah. actually quite a few Westerners who go there um, and do uh, the full time practice as a yeah. Tibetan Buddhist. I think Buddhism is more has a stronger attraction attraction to Westerners than Hinduism. Uh, in a way, it's more. I think it has to do with the gods that Westerners tend to shy away from uh, all the co- different kinds of gods in Hinduism. Mm. They don't realize that are, they are pretty much just symbols. Uh, anyway, but a lot of a lot of Westerners in Dharamsala, and we went to the Dalai Lama temple. It was beautiful. We went also to the Gyoto monks temple yeah, monastery. monastery. Yeah, yeah. Also a very beautiful place, mm. but. Dharamsala, we pretty much like Rishikesh, we didn't have any plans. We just hanged out for a week, uh, took day by day, and yeah, enjoyed life. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty that, much. That was pretty much it. Yeah, uh, yeah. nothing too spe- spectacular to, to talk about. I mean, every every moment we there, we were there. We just trying to enjoy the day as much. Yeah, day by day. Um, I just want to mention briefly because I think it's uh, something that I read uh, when walking into the monastery, the Dalai Lama monastery, that on some degree touched me. Uh, yeah. Was when I read about the because it was a Panchen Lama. Hmm. Uh, the Chinese government has kidnapped one of the yeah. 
um, the Panchen Lama is uh, right hand man to the Dalai Lama, if you will. Okay. So they have kidnapped him one, the day after, or just a few days after he was um, assigned from the Dalai Lama. Or okay. Uh, so they, uh, the Chinese government, has, has this young kid kidnapped for. Uh, so many years now yeah, it took him uh, when I was a, a kid basically yeah, and seven eight years old or something and perhaps uh, he's in he's in his 20s now I don't remember yeah and he's, he's still being he's still in captivity uh, so this is still ongoing uh, so I just want to put that into the podcast hopefully make you aware of this that it is yeah. still happening and yeah. uh, just to spread the word of um, the causes that the Tibet, Tibetan Buddhism has to yeah, yeah. Are, are, are working with if you will yeah they are suppressed people and there's still refugees not living in their own country tibet uh so that's a big tragedy and hopefully they will be able to return home one day yeah um so i don't know how much more we are supposed to talk about uh dharamsala is there anything you want to mention more not really. Dharamsala was just, you know, like integrating everything that we had learned during the first two weeks and just relax yeah. and land. <laughs> because yeah. it had been a really powerful journey, to say the least. Uh, I had my first strong uh, spiritual experiences that didn't involve psychedelics. Mm. And also, uh, I must also mention that after this journey something has most definitely happened. Uh, I have a much, much easier to connect now uh, in everyday life. I can talk with a friend or have a walk or do my dishes and suddenly I'm just there, uh, fully connected. And it's... Yeah, and this yeah. is... This what this uh, happened after India or during India and it's still happening. Yeah, and it, that's the interesting thing that India does things to you. Yeah. I mean, just being in India, taking in the culture, being in that, in that energy, in that yeah. surrounding, things start to happen with you. you. Yeah, things boil up from deep within that you have to deal with. It can be you go through emotions, you yeah. go through so a lot, many things. One just by being in India, it's, yeah, it's I don't funny. know how to explain it in any logical way, but the presence, just being in India and be really changes you in a lot of ways yeah and one way that it was quite apparent was that we landed when we came to india we landed in new delhi and we really hated the place it was crowded and warm and dirty and all that but when we came back to new delhi the last day yeah. after being in anital rishkesh and Dharamsala, we kind of liked it because yeah our state of being had changed yeah, so it, we had a beautiful last day in New Delhi, basically. Yeah, I yeah. just remember going in the the rickshaws. The, yeah. The, and yeah, I mean, it's it's madness. The traffic in, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the main streets in New Delhi, it's absolutely madness. It's anarchy. A, yeah. yeah, it's anarchy. But I could just sit there and enjoy it. Be yeah. in this madness. It was dirty. It was loud. It was horns going from all directions. But... It's beautiful. Still beautiful. Still the same. Yeah, still loved it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you said, it was just a completely different um, perspective that we came to D- New Delhi the next, the, the second time we yeah. arrived there. Yeah. So. And, uh, yeah, we also got some beautiful instruments. Uh, yeah, we bought uh, harmonium. Yeah, we went to drums. the Bina Music Store and went some tablet drums and harmoniums. Uh, 
And that was also um, when we were, uh, you have the, the bicycle rickshaws. Yeah. Uh, going to old Delhi, these yes. <laughs> narrow streets, this yeah, and ca- electrical cables hanging, yeah. uh, it's just insane. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a different reality from the, what you're used to in the West. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In some way, it's it's so charming. It's, yeah, it's there's something to it that's just so so charming, and it, yeah, yeah, it is chaos that works <laughs> yeah. basically, and it's and it's beautiful in a way yeah. uh, i also want to mention that after india i have noticed a big change in my meditations when i meditate i go way deeper than i was ever used to do uh, before india it's i don't know why something happened and pretty much every medita- time i meditate it's a real deep experience in contrary to before india I think what has happened to me mainly is um, what I have noticed is that I'm not reacting as much as before to yeah. things that happen around me. And I'm also able to see like uh, the things happening around me is uh, just a mirror of myself yeah. of within. It's like if I'm going through a certain emotion, I can see that emotion playing out in the yeah. external world as well. And I'd, I'm fully aware of it in on a different level than i yeah. was before you're witnessing it it still yeah. happens but you're witnessing it yeah and you will just let, allow it to play out and it kind of gets weaker and weaker and also i feel i had this instant when i saw the complete divinity in a, an everyday situation and things like this happen at least on a weekly basis if not an everyday basis that i have small experiences almost uh not every day but quite frequently that and this is everything started to happen after india so uh it was the best journey of my life <laughs> yeah. i mean it's if i had to explain it in a, in a sh- sentence i would say india has made me more conscious of what happens around me uh, conscious to yeah. my meditation conscious to my um yeah. what i did when i came home is uh i also went on a, a fast yeah and that really helped as well. It was just uh, interesting to see how much, um, maybe I'm going off topic here, but um, how much I was aware, became aware of what happens in the body. Yeah. How much um, just um, being without food, how much that is mental. Um, just being more con- conscious to everything in yeah. my mind and in my body. So that was, yeah. India changes you in a way. Yeah. Oh, basically the, the big lesson the, was that we had to go to India to realize that we don't need India <laughs> to yeah. to be connected. But yeah, but sometimes you need to do it just to understand it. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need the permission slip in theory. But there's a there's a really big um, advantage of going there if you have yeah. the, the if you have the pull and the desire to go to India, you should most definitely go there. Yeah, yeah, and we will return, even though we learned that we can stay connected at home as well. Uh, I want to go there again because it's beautiful and it's wonderful, and yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, what you're, what we're looking for—that's something within, and that's available all within us, and yeah. at every location, at every given time. So it's yeah. just a matter of allowing it. So, um, do we have anything additional to bring up from I our journey? I that's, think uh, that's it, basically. Yeah. So, uh, really, 
thankful that you have listened to this uh, four-parter where we have covered our journey to India. Yeah. Uh, we'll be sure to try to do more episodes in the future uh, on different subjects. Yeah. We'll see what we we end up with. Uh, as always, go to maldorma.com if you want to see more episodes and all our uh, material that we have created, articles, yeah. books, and, and so forth. Yeah, and now I, I know we have been saying this for a long time that Tobias' book is coming out in English, but now it is coming out yeah. uh, within actually one or two months. It will be available to buy on Amazon. For or, real or, this time, for yeah, real. For real. <laughs> It's uh, pretty much finished. Yeah. And also on our website, you will find our other books and all the stuff that we put out there. So yeah. thank you for sure. listening. Yeah, be sure to check it out. Thank you very yeah. much. Bye. Bye-bye.